Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. Love is in the air, and it's time I share my secret sauce to help keep a relationship strong. And I'm not talking about passion in the bedroom. Uh-uh. I'm talking about how to find a career that gets your blood going and how to keep it hot. We'll talk about whether it's smart to support a husband in a career that you sure ain't going anywhere. Plus, I'll give you my advice on how to know if it's time to slam on the brakes or hit the gas with your new idea. All this right now on Business Unusual. Hi, Barbara. This is Jesse from Ontario, Canada. I was wondering, how can I best help my husband succeed in his business endeavors? We both work a lot. I run my own uh, side hustle business from home, and it takes up most of my time. He has a full-time job is, and is also pursuing his real estate agent license here in Ontario, and we both do a lot of real estate investing. I want to help him succeed and support him at home when he's tired from all his work and stress and everything like that, but... I'm really busy with my own work. So what can I do to really help him out and make sure he knows he's supported, even though I don't have a lot of time to spare? Thanks so much, Barbara. Love you. Bye. So from your question, you have a heck of a lot in the air right now. You have two full-time jobs. You have a side hustle. Your husband's pursuing his real estate license. And collectively or separately, I don't know how that works, you're doing real estate investing. That's probably enough for about three couples. And you're doing <laughs> it with just the two of you. With the real estate investing, who, who leads that parade? So that's primarily my husband, but we do it together. Um, and also just to clarify, I know it was kind of jumbled on the message. So I actually work for myself full-time running my side hustle, which is now my full-time thing. It ah. was a side hustle that has transformed into a full-on business. Good for you. Um, and what yeah. kind of business is that? I'd be curious what that um, is. I sell, uh, I do mostly e-commerce. So right now, primarily I sell jewelry and things like that, but I also dabble in other kinds of sales and different things of that nature. Yeah. So you're um, almost like if someone wants to outsource sales for their business, that's where you come in? Is that what you I, I could. I always say, oh. if you're willing to pay me, I'll probably do it. Okay. <laughs> Depending. But yeah, you, but right you now have your own inventory of what you're selling. Yeah. And it's it was very messy here in my office it. earlier, but I cleaned it up for you. <laughs> so yes, my husband primarily leads the real estate investing, but we are partnered together. We have a three-tier corporate structure, so it's all very official. Um, right now, we're in the midst of a deal where we're going to be closing on a fourplex in January or February. Um, and so including that fourplex, we're going to have 15 doors total. So we have a lot on the go in that regard. I would think so. I would think yeah. and you take any of those uh, departments and it's a full-time job. Is your husband uh, doing that real estate investing with you full-time? Is that his full-time job? No. So he's currently working as a pharmacist. So he's been uh, a pharmacist for the past I want to say six years now, um, which is what he went to university for, but he does not like it very much. And he's very excited to leave that and get into real estate full time. Right now, we're basically just waiting to finalize some refinancing and get, you know, mortgages with banks. And he needs to have his full time job to qualify for those things before he can leave his job, hopefully in the spring next year. 
Okay, so it sounds like the two of you as a couple have things pretty buttoned up as to what you're working on, where you want to take everything. I don't I hear a lot so. of confusion. Where does it come from that you feel your husband needs your help, to use your own words? Well, he's very stressed. He has a lot of, he's not a very, how would I put it? He is very independent and he's not a very anxious person in general. When he's got everything that he's working on and he's on the go on his own things that he enjoys, he's totally healthy and happy and, you know, really happy and kind spirit. But because of his full-time position in a very stressful job and it's healthcare, which right now, thanks to the coronavirus, it's extremely stressful. He's the one doing a lot of the vaccinations and things like that. So because of that and all the customer service and everything, and the fact that it takes up his business hours at the nine to five, he has a really hard time having time to get back to lawyers and banks and other people he needs to connect with in order to move things forward on the real estate side. And so he comes home at the end of his workday and he's extremely stressed because he hasn't been able to do the things he wants to be doing. And he's also very tired from being around a lot of people with a lot of demands and things like that. And for me, I love helping him. But now that my business is growing to the point where I've actually hired an employee for the first time, I have less and less time to spend just talking to him about everything. And you mentioned how we sound like we kind of have everything together. and We kind of know what we want to do. It's because our favorite pastime is to just sit and talk to each other about what we want for our lives and kind of where we're going with everything. But more and more recently, we haven't had that time to just sit down and just talk. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any ideas or advice about what we could do now that we don't have quite as much time, like maybe more effective ways to use the little time that we have or, or things that you found useful in your own life. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of ideas, but I want to just Uh, make sure I understood you. You said he only has to keep the pharmacy job for a short term. What is it? Six months? Well, he, like I said, he's been working in pharmacy for a few years, but he's coming to the point where he can leave, like stop being a pharmacist entirely because we've got enough passive income now that neither of us has to have a a typical job in order to live. So he has, he painted the line in the sand and then said, okay, as of February 15th, I'm leaving my pharmacy job. Almost. It's not so, so specific, but I believe it's in like April. Essentially, it's like March, April or May of next year within mm-hmm. that three month period. So we know it's going to be early next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my spin on it. When you're building anything, you're independent businesses, you have a mutual business, you both have other businesses. I think what gives up what uh, you lose first off, uh, most importantly, is communication. And it's terrible. Uh, because I think communication is more important than the right answers or the right moves. I think you and your husband naturally are good partners. I could see that you're very united, you know, and you each have your own endeavors. But I think uh, the most important thing that you have to pay attention to is making the time to sit down and talk and to say, hey, how bad is it? Hey, are you really going to leave in February? Hey, do you think you should maybe hire part-time help right now, honey, uh, to get you through now to April. I'm worried about the stress. Uh, what do you think about this? If I hired even more help, because you just hired your first person, if I get her to do that, I could have Saturdays to spend with you for six hours and help you with the real estate. I think it has to be a collaboration as a result of a very open-ended conversation. And for most couples, uh, frankly, from what I've seen, that's not even doable because they don't have the ability to openly communicate. Uh, That's not the case with you. You have a gift. You're good partners. Uh, 
And so I think while things are going like gangbusters on all fronts, uh, just the communication has been squeezed out, the shared time. And, and that re always feels like love. Good communication feels like love and caring. Uh, so you eliminate that and you're both too much in your own worlds, you know? I've got to believe uh, that you can make that as organized as you are your top priority, uh, that uh, you are going to have, not maybe, maybe call it a business meeting, but a partnership meeting every Tuesday uh, from five to seven or every Saturday from nine to one, where you're gonna write down everything you think is going well and a list of everything not going so well, and he does the same. And then you combine the list and see how you can help each other, just help each other. I also question you on one other thing, if I might, uh, Jesse, are you having fun together? Are you doing any fun things together anymore? Not very often, unfortunately. Although, like I mentioned, our I think our most fun thing, honestly, is to just sit down and talk. I, we have a, a uh, kind of real estate slash life coach. And she gave us this challenge a while ago saying, you know, come up with something where you can look forward to it on your journey, especially for my husband, on your journey towards quitting your job, like give yourself something you guys can look forward to every month, like going out to a movie or, you know, doing this, doing that. And my husband said, I just want to sit at home and not do anything. Yes, and I yes. said to him, that's totally fine. Just sit, we can talk. Uh -huh. you no, know, I'll make you a bubble bath. It'll be great. Yeah, I think I think you combine that suggestion. Uh, probably your husband's like, I don't want to go out. My God, why do why you know it's too exhausting? I just want to sit home. I get that, uh, but you could also hire a cook to come and serve you a beautiful meal. You could afford it. They could light the candles, set the table. They could clean up. You could serve him his favorite food. Uh, but I think there's a need also for a separate section of your life for just pure fun. You're inevitably going to start talking some business because you're both so excited about birthing your businesses. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what could be more exciting conversation? Local movies? I doubt that. No? <laughs> yeah. So but I think you need to make those both spots, the partnership meeting, because you're great partners and you want to keep it that way. And then also make the separate time uh, just for relaxation and romance on if, on his terms. If he if you don't want to go out, if you can't afford to go on a vacation time wise. I do believe you have to make it more special than just a continuation of sitting home because what happens I find when people sit home is they it's so hard to resist the phone, the computer, and it doesn't feel like a separation to relax and refresh the soul. It feels like uh, a less stressful version of what you did only an hour before, which isn't good enough in my book. Yes, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And you want to do it uh, uh, for the sake of, of the joy of living and the joy of this journey that you're both on. Uh, you would be the, you would be the envy of most young couples I know to have going on what you're doing so much good juicy stuff on your plate and so much promise, but so much stress and I would suggest even after your husband quits that job as a pharmacist in the few months from now, uh, something else is going to replace it. You're both hustlers. You're always going to have too much to do and too much stress. So I think forming an early habit of the partnership meetings and having the joy meetings, just the sheer romance meetings, uh, I think are essential to st establish it now while you're young. That's what I think. I love that. Thank you. I love that concept of the joy meeting or the romance meeting because everyone has, you know, we have our business meetings, but we don't have meetings for joy or yes. romance. New term for dating, romance meeting. Oh, whatever you want to call it, as long as they happen, you know, and that yes. they can happen and be consistently that they are on the schedule each and every week, both meetings. That's what I think is important. 
Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Barbara. You are welcome. Hey, Barbara. My name is Christian. I live here in Colorado, and I have struggled so long with trying to make passion aligned with opportunity. I've started a few businesses now, and they're all based off of opportunity, but not an industry that I'm passionate about. And I always struggle with that because I really crave work in an industry that I'm passionate about, which is specifically the outdoors. So I'm asking you, what, how would you go about seeking opportunity or business ventures in a field or industry that you are more passionate about? Thank you. So tell me a little bit about the typical thing that happens for you in the past and your positions that you've taken. You say you saw the opportunity, you grabbed it, but you weren't passionate about the industry. Like when you say uh, the opportunity, you mean a job offer, a business offer? Give me, uh, put a little flesh on those bones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just kind of run you through the timeline really quick of the last couple of years. and, and Only if you uh, could do it in five minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so right out of college, um, I was approached with an opportunity to help open up a cocktail bar in the town that I live in. Mm. And By a friend? And, a friend approached you? Um, it was actually just someone uh, in the community. I, I didn't know him beforehand. Ah, and okay. And so... I, it was one of those things where it was a really exciting opportunity, but I knew that wasn't where I wanted to go long-term necessarily, but it, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience regardless. And then. Did you put money into that at all? I didn't know. Okay. And then after that, um, once coronavirus hit and then obviously restaurant industry was impacted, I, I decided that I wanted to flip a house. And so so restaurant industry slowed down. Uh, I found a way to get into a uh, triplex to, uh, to flip. And we did that in about four months. And in the process, we learned that contractors were really flaky in our town and, mm-hmm. and just being in the industry here already. I, I really had a big, a, a big heart for our community. I, I love everyone in it. And I met a couple really great guys that were uh, painters. And so when we flipped the house, I ended up quitting the job working with the cocktail bar. And, and I, I told them, Hey, do you, do you want to start a painting business? I'll, I'll bid out the work for you guys. And, uh, and you take care of the jobs. And, and so that was two weeks from, let me, let me stop a little bit. You said you, 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 we, W E flipped a house. Who were the, we in that flipping of the house? Yeah, it was, uh, 50, 50 with my parents. And then uh-huh. I seeked out outside, uh, investment from there. Okay. And were you able to get investors all for that one house that you're flipping? Yeah. I see. Seems like a, yeah. a lot of money into one house. Was it a, a big investor? How much was the house? Yeah. So the house we bought for uh, 275, uh-huh. it was a full gut out. We put about, uh, 220,000 into it uh-huh. and then, uh, sold it for 775. So you did well. So 475 to 775. It took you about a year to do it or so? Uh, it was about four, it was about four months. Yeah. Terrific. Great. Yeah. Congratulations. Very, very hard to do in the with the advent of COVID. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Had yeah. you thought about continuing that line of work or did COVID change all of that? Because I know the housing market exploded and everybody's 10 buyers for every house, right? It's not really yeah. Meant for flipping. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I have thought about getting back into that. Um, 
just with a different approach, we were very hands-on classic first flip situation where we were coordinating with all subcontractors and, and everything. And so I would, I've definitely taken notes and reflected on how to do that better. Yes. But you didn't love that, that work. Cause that's the nature of your question. You said you didn't feel the passion or did you? Yeah. You no, that, that, that's correct. Yeah. I didn't quite feel the passion. Um, it was a fun project, but it, it was just draining to me. And, mm-hmm. and that, that wasn't where I, I wanted to be. What was lacking? If you were to put your finger on one thing lacking in that, because from the outside, it looked like it was enormously successful. Anyone would assume so. You accomplished yeah. it quickly. You did it profitably. You probably paid your parents back. I mean, it's really like a dream story. What was it in that that, that didn't float your boat? Um, you know, I think the trades industry is a tough one to be in. I, I've i never experienced the hard... I've never even been in the trades industry. So to see... Um, and I, I was, I grew up more sheltered than I realized after mm-hmm. we did this house of, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. And, mm-hmm. and I know that's not every scenario and there's betting you can do, but it, it was an eye opener and it, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like an industry that I, I wanted to really be a part of. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, so, and that mm-hmm. was, okay. Yeah. And then, um, the cocktail uh, bar job, I just want to size up what turns you off more than what turns you on. What did you not like about that? Yeah, I would say it, to me, I, I think the biggest thing was I never wanted to be a restaurant owner. I grew up, my family owns two restaurants in Chicago. I grew up since age 12 working alongside my dad. Uh-huh. And so that's what I knew, but I knew it's not what I wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. So it's a continuation of whole hum for you. And then mm-hmm, after the exactly. flipping of the houses, you came up with the idea of maybe doing the painting business. Did that get off the ground at all? Or did you lose interest in that? Yeah. No, it's uh, that's currently what I'm doing. Um, yeah. We started, so we sold the house in October last year uh-huh. and started the painting business uh, three weeks after that. Ah, and you've been painting yeah. houses and you sell it and then someone else contracts it. Is that how it works? Yeah. So they're, they're employed under uh, my company. And so I, I run the business, do all the admin and, uh, and bid out the work. And then they're, they're my employees that execute. But still with that company, as young as it is, that's not totally intriguing for you or you feel as though this is not something you want to do for life. Yeah. I already made the decision that I didn't want to be in the trades industry after that house flip, but Mm -hmm. um, it was an opportunity that made sense for the time. And, and it was a rapid, we, we went from conversation to, to a business formed in three weeks. And so there wasn't much time. I didn't have any source of income after the house flip. Mm-hmm. And, and that just made sense as the next move. And, um, and that, that's, that's where I still am. It's uh, one year and two months later. Can you picture working for someone in a regular job or have you decided already that you are or want to be and want to stay an entrepreneur? Yeah. What's your sense of that? Yeah. I, I'm a third generation entrepreneur. So part of me thinks it's in my blood a little, but also being humbled by working in a family restaurant and uh, coming into the mindset of with working with my dad, he, this is his house that he's the boss. And so I learned through a lot of friction. It wasn't always, always good, but I learned that if I'm in someone's house, that's who gets all my respect and I'll work as hard as I can for them. And so that's the philosophy I've carried. And 
I'd be willing to carry on that philosophy again, but I also really do enjoy the freedom of being an entrepreneur and the cocktail bar that I helped out with, they gave me a lot of freedom as well. They, there was certain arrangements, but it, it was almost my free reign. And, and that's, that's where I really like to be. Right. Well, you've, you've cured uh, half your curiosity or problem of what do I do with my life already? Uh, because I think you firmly uh, landed on your feet that you want to work for yourself. Mm-hmm. I agree. It takes people sometimes 20, 30 years to realize that. And then for so many of us, it's way too late to get started yeah. with a mortgage and three kids, you know? So right. lucky for you, you're young, you're free, you have everything ahead of you and you've decided uh, even uh, even based on the three positions you held that you like working for yourself. That's yeah. half of it. Now let's go into the passion part. You said, you know, you're passionate about the outdoors. Give me a yeah. little bit more on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up in Chicago and uh, always dreamed of moving to Colorado, which is where I live now. Mm-hmm. And my, my lifestyle is primarily fly fishing, skiing, backpacking, mountain biking, and camping. And and I, I really love that community. You meet some of the mm-hmm. nicest people and I'm passionate about finding a way to serve that community and solve problems in that, in that area. Mm-hmm. Have you worked in that industry or just played in those industries of fly fishing, skiing, backpacking? Have you worked in them or you've, you've enjoyed them as a sport? Um, mostly just enjoyed them as a sport. I, have, I don't have any business experience in that arena. Okay. Do you have a very high overhead where you are in Colorado or is it, oh, do you keep your overhead low? Um, mostly keep our overhead pretty low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you thought about, I can't imagine you not thinking about it, but have you thought about in Colorado going to, going to work for any of those types of businesses? I, I have tossed it around uh, as an idea. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that has definitely has been something that's crossed my mind. Well, I'll tell you what I think. And then you could see what you think, which is the only thing that really counts, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. I think it's just commendable how you hustled from one business to another. And I, I also like it. your practical thinking on it. You know, you're solid on your feet as to why you liked it, why you didn't like it, and why you moved on to the next thing. Uh, very often, all it uh, comes across to me when I hear people tell these stories is that they're confused. They don't know what the heck they want. But I think uh, you're really firm on your feet. Okay. So A, you want to be an entrepreneur. B, you love, you have passion for outdoor sports, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be a shame for you to waste another minute on doing anything but outdoor sports. And I think maybe you could use the next six months as a experiment almost for yourself of going to work for, well, you have the ski season here upon us now. The fly fishing comes in the spring. The backpacking, I guess, is fall, maybe even still now into the spring. Sure. If I were in your position, I would get a position in each of those sports in its seasonality for mm. six months to a year. See what floats your boat. See where your greatest passion is. I suspect you're going to like it all. But yeah. you're going to see an angle for yourself. You're going to be out playing in the traffic. You're going to get hit by a car. It's going to be a love affair. Boom. And you're going to say, oh, that's for me. And it's going to be a passion thing. I think what's been happening so far with you, it's kind of like a dating scene. It's like you want to jump into bed and then find the passion once you're in there. It generally generally doesn't work that way. Usually you have to be hot with passion on the outside that makes you want to jump into bed and stay there, right? Yeah. And so I think you're approaching it uh, the right way now from your heart out. Uh, fall in love 
with what you know mm-hmm. you already love, get involved in any capacity, and yeah. you're a natural entrepreneur, and you're going to see an angle as to how you build a business within one of those areas, or maybe all of them. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a, a sporting company that arranges uh, expeditions in all these areas. And I, I just feel like that's going to be so easy for you. It's about getting in the waters and going swimming with these guys. You know, I want to thank you because people listening to you are going to learn a lot from you because I would say that nine out of 10 people starting out generally use their head to figure out where they want to go. And it Mm. takes them so many years to realize leading with your passion. And then you find your head's very involved in it once you're passionate about something. And and look, you uh, spent so little time learning that lesson. And now you're teaching Mm. other people. So I'm going to have everybody who calls on my 888 Barber line call you instead from now on. Yeah. All right. You don't mind, do you? Keep your phone (laughs) on. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's Barbara. Just call her. Hello, this is Barbara. Yes. Hello, Barbara. This is Lavera Wright. I'm calling. I would like to know how did you get through the hurdles in your business? I have an accountant and tax firm, and um, I just wanted to know how do you get past that threshold when you hit like a bump in the road and move on from there? So you have an accounting tax firm. How long have you had the business? So I had the business since 2013. Uh-huh. And then I brought it down to Texas um, in 2015. And then I got it all set up um, in 2018 here in Texas to be able to, you know, do more business in Texas. So I got it licensed in New York and also in Texas. Wow. I couldn't do that. I couldn't pass a license if you paid me. Good for you. May I ask you, what do you do now when you run into an obstacle or hit your head into a brick wall? How do you typically handle it? That's part of a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. When I run into that big brick wall, I have the strategies. I know um, in my head how to be able to get it out and write it on paper. It's the part of getting the team. Mm. It's hard when you have the vision and you write it and it may sound weird to others, but it worked. And um, it's hard for people, you know, I'm finding out that some, I mean, I hate to say it, but the older ones, you know, sometimes they don't want to hear it, but they got the wisdom. But when I go to like these colleges and, you know, I recruit them, I mean, they just get my stuff done. Oh, they get your stuff done. So you're finding with the younger population, you're able to share your vision and they're yes. able to execute it well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not contagious with the older people that are working with you. They don't catch the fever and get on the page and go, whoa, there's something going on here. I'm on the page. They don't catch the fever. They, no, they just know. Oh. Like my the people that are my audience that pay me, um, they between the age maybe... 25 to about 45, maybe 55. And the people working for you, the younger folks and then the older folks, how old are they? So usually the people that work for me, they between 18 to about, not even 30, 18 Mm -hmm. to about 24, 25. Do they have to have a specialized skill? I'd be curious. Or is it you teach them what they need to do? I teach them. And they're willing to listen. They're willing to learn. Right. And so... When it comes down, like last year, I had a group before all the pandemic and it was three of them. And they was, um, they was 18 to 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I got them their PTIN, got everything done for them. 
and it was no problem. But you know, they don't have the wisdom, so it takes me time. It takes away because I got to train them. Mm. So, but the older people have um, the wisdom, but they stuck in change, and that's it's really a problem for me. Uh-huh. They they stuck and they don't want to change, and they, you know, you can't keep on doing the same thing and getting different results. It's not going to happen. What changes is that you're hoping to see in the older population in your office? That what would you wish they would do differently? Um, that they would listen, first of all, to what I'm saying. And even when they don't understand it, if you see the results, just follow it. Mm. Have you met with them one-on-one or do you address them as a group? No, I met with them one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And um, last year, just with everything going on, and really, I just got frustrated. and I. Um, just um, didn't do much with the business. I'm just picking back up again. I didn't do much with the business. I actually just, you know, left it and dealt with the little, you know, clients that I normally have coming in and stuff just last year, taxes, people that had back taxes. And I just did it myself. Mm. Oh, so you really streamlined your business. I actually took it back because of mm-hmm. your discouragement with the people working for you. Mm-hmm. But what about those young kids that were listening to you and were able to incorporate your changes? Uh, were you discouraged with them as well? No, people got into their ears. So oh, the older people started whispering, mm-hmm. oh, discontent. Yeah. But what by getting into the ear, uh, of course, attitude is affected right away. It's yep. like illness. OK, but beyond yeah. the attitude, did they get them to leave the company? Yeah. To start. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Did they take people with them or convince them that they weren't happy and drove them out? But they stayed. I'm just wondering about the dynamic there. So they didn't really the three group, the group, three people that I had, they got discovered. You know, they was young. We was doing a lot. Things was happening. And, um, you know, people, older people got into their ears. They felt, oh, well, I could do it on my own. You know, I could do this on my own. And a lot of them went through. I mean, they came back and to apologize, but I wouldn't hire them again in my company. Well, you have a clean slate if you uh, went backwards, uh, which often you have to in business go backwards to go forward. You have a clean slate. You have, don't have those older complainer people working for you anymore. You got rid of them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, so let's look at what you've already learned. You've learned, number one, that you have to be careful who you hire, that attitude's more important than a skill set, right? Mm-hmm. You want an attitude of openness, somebody who's willing to be open to your ideas and listen to you and also work as a team. And someone yes. who's not going to bad mouth and look at the glasses half empty and, and contaminate your good people. Yes. Yeah. And you know what I found in business? I, you could have 10 great people. You have one son of a gun complainer. They're going to find everybody else to join their pity party and their grumpy party. You know, yes. They suck people in. And mm-hmm. in your, your business, when you're struggling to build a young business, trying to build it up, you need a spirit of core. You need people holding hands and loving each other. Do you do anything for fun within your company when you had that team? Because yes. it's almost like I see it as two separate teams in your company and one not very teammanship at all. So what I would do, um, we would go out, have, um, instead of making it a business meeting, we would go out to dinner. Great. We would go out um, maybe to the movies. You know, when they did things, okay, it was a celebration and letting them know, you know, great accomplishment. Mm. And I would, you know, we would sit down and we would have different things or I would be, you know, be a blessing to them. Mm. So those things really kept them moving forward in the company. You know, even when I went to the colleges and see people for the colleges, they did my whole portfolio. All I had to do was come in, sit down for a couple of, you know, meetings um, see what they did. They was accountants, master accounting, 
and I would sit there with them, um, went to the meetings at night in the, the university, Texas University, I believe college. And their job was to create a profile for me mm-hmm. and they had to get graded on it. They had to get graded on it, evaluated. And I communicated with them and it really worked well. And at the end, I was pleased with the portfolio that they gave me. And now it's something that I can use and all I can do is revamp it. Were you using that as a means of recruiting people? Yes. I see. So you wind up with the people in a way you test drove them to see what they were made of before you Mm -hmm. hired them. You know, I don't think you have much of a problem at all, if if I might say. Uh, But I think you're the problem. Oh, okay. Okay. You don't mind my speaking plainly, right? Yes, please tell me. You're the problem. Because you let a bunch of foxes into your hen house and they ate your chickens. Okay. And your job was to protect your chickens, those nice people that you hired, you're grooming, you're teaching, you're putting your heart and soul in. Okay. To stay with you and be your family, your business family. Uh, Talking to you, I could tell you're extremely caring. Not many bosses bring kids (laughs) out for movies and good times and everything. So you're a very good indication that you love your people, which goes a long way. So you have the heart for the business. Uh, But you let your team down in uh, letting those creepy people around your nice people. Okay. But you got rid of them. You got rid of the whole shit match or they got rid of you. So you have a clean slate. All right. What a blessing to have a clean slate when you've learned a lesson and gotten a bad report card. Your bad report card is people leave you. It's the most honest report card in the world when you're running a business. People stay, you're doing a great job. People leave. You're doing a lousy job. So you have everybody leave for this reason or that reason. And you can blame it on the older people that were negative, but you hired the people. So that's your responsibility to Mm -hmm. take. What can you do now? You can go back out into the field to do your very clever, what it sounds like, very clever recruiting. Really (laughs) smart, really smart. I want to copy it some way. Uh, Couldn't you fill your house all over again with positive people? And not let any of the negative people in. Are you good at spotting those negative people? Or do they yeah. look good at first and then they're lousy later? Um, I can spot them when they open their mouth. Yes. So I have one now. I have the admin. She's older, but I've been watching her for three and a half years before oh. I let her start working with me. Ah. And so I watch how she do things. How, you know, when I would speak to her, what I would say to her, would she be able to receive it because she was older than me? Or would she fight against what I'm saying? So now she just started working with me and I gave her tests. I had a potential client that wanted a service. She's an admin. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I sent her, this is what my service is. This is what it costs. This is everything. And I gave her the script and I gave her the information and I let the potential client know that the business advisor will call you now and I allowed, I didn't say when to call her. I said, she would call you. I told she'll call you sometime today. And so yesterday she was able to call her and I listened to the conversation that she had with the potential client and it really went well. So she's a potential winner. Yes. Did you hire her a uh, full-time or part-time permanently part-time. or are you trying her out? Did you I'm say trying her out part-time? So you gave her like three months, let's try it and see where yes. it goes. Yes. Have you done that before with your older people? The ones yes. That, yeah. Um, so the difference, what I noticed uh, when I came to Texas, New, I'm from New York. Uh-huh. So in New York, um, I would be able to go through Department of Youth and Community Development. Uh-huh. They paid them. And I just not only did my screening, but Department of Youth and Development did their own screening as well. I see. And so 
um, you know, I, I started teaching them because that's how I learned. Mm-hmm. So when I learned accounting and taxes, it was no computer. Mm. I learned you had to calculate 8.25 times what your salary was. So that's how I taught them. And you'll never forget it. Yes, of course. So some of them moved on and, you know, got jobs with um, top accounting firms and things like that. And so now coming down here, I notice people make money, but changes is hard for them to get into that changes. So mm-hmm. I go to some networking events and a lot of people are, one of the things that I would say that I noticed um, being in Texas, there is money to be made, but everybody is selling something. It's not about selling something. What makes you different? So when I'm talking to them and I'm letting them know what makes me stand out is not my skills and everything, is that I know how to communicate with people. I can reach all of them at any level if they let me help them and I can walk them through it and not just tell them this is what you need to do. But I, I actually can show them step by step how to get there. You're speaking to the client, right? How you impress the client, how you can make yes. them happy. Um, I would think those same communication skills uh, okay. could be used with the people that work for you, right? Oh, okay. No, I, I'm, I'm just wondering why there's a disconnect there that, that somehow you're not connecting with them to get them on your page to um, make a change. To or is it honest, just the complainers? So yeah. some of it had to do with um, jealousy. Mm-hmm. Human nature um, everywhere. Yeah. yeah um, some of it had to do with that. Um, there's been a lot of um, words of prophecy over my life. Um, very prosperous financially. Um, at, I let things go. I didn't have somebody to like coach me and mentor me. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when I got old, I did. But at 28, you know, I did investments. I know about investments. I know about stocks, all that. But I didn't have nobody. So I was giving my money to anybody. You know, I, I would just. Oh, but that's a lesson. People. That's a lesson you could sweep under your bed now because you learned that a long, long yes. time ago. And so more, now, right. The more current lesson. And thank God you're always learning. I mean, that's the nature of building (laughs) a business. Your current lesson, I think, and your key to great fortune and satisfaction would be to have a family at work that that adores you, Mm -hmm. totally 150% on your page, and that will follow your lead. Um, I think you lack very little, uh, except that perhaps... Uh, you know, you, you let them have fun. You recruit them from the beginning. You have confidence to take someone without experience into your fold. A lot of bosses won't do that. But I think the only lesson you have to learn is make sure you have the good people there. You got to keep those bad people out. And I even okay. wonder, have you ever had exit interviews with the people who have left you afterwards? Call them and say, hey, what did I do wrong? Yes, they will come back and apologize to me. So they, they, they would say you did nothing wrong. It's just that I was wrong in leaving because somebody whispered in my ear. Yeah. They okay. always come back and tell me. And I, I hope I'm not oversimplifying it, but from the best I could gather from listening carefully to you, uh, you have to keep bad people out of your shop. Okay. Yeah. And, you, and, know, I, and you know what my test for bad people is after I interview them? And maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't say bad, but, but people who don't just have negative. capacity. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is after I interview them or after I mm-hmm. meet them, I ask myself if I'm happy, I just walked away, or do they okay. need a little puff of happiness, 
or relief behind them. Everybody leaves a little puddle when they leave the room. It's either a puff of happiness, like, oh, they're so nice. I feel that inside. I feel good about myself because of it. Or they leave a little puff of relief, like, God, okay, well, they're nice and all, but I'm still relieved that conversation's over with. Let's go on. And I think that's a very true emotional test as to whether you have someone negative or whether you have someone positive. So I've learned to ask myself that with friends, with people I hire, with people I choose to do business with. What kind of feeling do I have after they leave that room? But I'm telling you, you deserve a phenomenal business. You should have 50 of these kids working for you, giving them the help that the people didn't give you when you were young, that now you're able to give. I mean, yes. it makes such a difference in everyone's life. Okay. You can stay away from those creepy people. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.